recording. So, um, last year. time we discussed, well, tonight's year should be the school for Fushlein and Mary Yitzhak, Koyim and Pesel. So, last time we discussed that, um, you know, what happens if you sleep under your bed in the sukkah. So, fundamentally, it had to do with where were you? Where are you? And others, are you under the bed or are you not under the bed? We pointed out that the way Rabbi Yuchananel says it, for example, is that if you're under the if you're under the bed, you're not in the sukkah. You're not sleeping in the sukkah because you're under the bed. You're in a different domain. <coughs> we talked about it being in Ohel Arai, being Mavatal Ol Kva, that the Machlokas and the Mishnah revolved around this issue. In other words, do we say that we view you who is in an Ohel Arai in a temporary tent, i.e. under your bed, which seems to be temporary because it moves, although it's not super clear why it's temporary, but um, at first glance at least, um, does that enough to vacate sort of your location from being in the sukkah to being underneath the bed? Where are you? What's your location when you're under two different things? And um, at face value, at least, um, you know, that's why, uh, that's why, that's the basis for the machlokas. At face value, the sukkah's an ohel, the bed's an ohel harai, a temporary, uh, a temporary tent, temporary domain, and your sukkah's an ohel kva. At least that's what Rashi says, although that's not so simple. We're going to get to that in Chafal from the base, because it's not so simple to say your sukkah is an Ola Kaval. Is your sukkah supposed to be a permanent domain or a temporary domain? Most of us intuitively think of it as a temporary domain. Rashi's calling it a permanent domain. We'll see, in fact, it's a machlokas in the Gemara and Chafal from the base, really, elsewhere in, in the Masechta. And so you have this machlokas, where, how to view it. Do we say that the temper being, temp, being located underneath the temporary tent, the temporary domain of your bed, is enough to supersede the broader domain, which Rashi calls permanent, of the sukkah or not? That seems to be the machlokas. That's what we said last time. And the Gemara qualified that by saying that, um, that it depends how big the sukkah is. That if it's under 10, there's nothing to talk about that's okay. In other words, if your OLRI is a very short thing, so it's like uh, 20 inches, two feet, let's say, then no problem, you can sleep there. Not an issue whatsoever, right? No one would say that that type of ohel is enough to nullify the broader sukkah. The only issue is when it assumes a meaningful size a sh- of a shus, of a domain, of a wall, however you want to put it, of ten tefachim, at that point we can begin the conversation. <coughs> so we see a number of factors taking place right away. We see a number of factors taking place. We see the relative... Uh, the relative significance of the domain that you're in vis-a-vis the different domains, that relative kvius is enough to determine where you are, and that, that itself is meaningful. And then we see not only the temporariness, but the size matters. Right? We see that the size matters as it relates to defining it. In other words, so you could have two temporary domains, both found within a sukkah, but if the size, one size is above 10 tefachim, one is under 10 tefachim, then that will create all the difference in the world. That one will say potentially that it is a problem, one will say it's not a problem. That means it's not a blanket rule, necessarily. Right? It's not a blanket rule as to what size the domain is, vis-a-vis other things. Tosus points out that in some places in Shas, it doesn't have to be 10 tefachim. Right? So Tosus asked that as a question. Right? But the point is, is that there are various factors that go into assessing where you are. Where are you? Are you in the sukkah or are you under your bed? How to view that, there are a number of factors that come into play. 
size, temporary, temp being temporal versus being permanent, right? These things are factors in defining where you are. Now the Gemara is about to introduce another factor, which uh, we'll see in a minute um, as we go forward, that, <coughs> that um, it's called an oel she'eno asu bide'alda. Now the Gemara seems to give greater significance to an ohel that's asu adam rather than an ohel she'eno asu adam. In other words, is the tent literally made by man? Or is the tent not made by man? Is the domain something that is man-made? Or did it just happen? Now, that, Rashi's going to say, is not really a accurate... The, the words the Gemara used don't fully convey the idea that the Gemara is expressing. Because the idea the Gemara is expressing is that not is it man-made or an act of God, but is it deliberate or not deliberate? Because we're going to have things, situations in the Gemara that are man-made but are not deliberate and therefore they'll not be considered We're going to see it in a minute, but the point is is that the Gemara is going to introduce another factor which is going to be a major factor throughout the next blot of the Gemara understanding that how to, and we're going to see why it relates in a minute to the Mishnah, but it's going to introduce another factor in assessing the relative significance of the domain. So if the domain is under 10, it's not significant. If the domain is above 10, it's significant. If the domain is permanent, it's significant. If the domain's awry, temporary, then it's not necessarily significant. It's a machlokas, right? If the domain is eno asu vide adam, is going to be another factor. It's going to be a third factor in assessing the strength of defining your location. Okay, if you're in a pop-up sukkah, that's not necessarily as good as being in a, you know, maybe it's not such a good example, but if you're in a flimsy thing, it's not as meaningful as being in a permanent thing, even if it's the same size. If I'm in a brick house versus I'm in, a, you know, like the three little pigs, right? Whatever it is, it's not that, right? If I'm on the, if I'm on the, in the brick house versus I'm, if I'm in the straw house, right? They're not the same, they're not the same strength, right? Even if they're the same size. If I'm in a brick house of 10 versus in a brick house of two, that also is a difference. So the Gemara is computing all these factors as it relates to defining your domain. That's one thing, as a matter of introduction. The other matter of, two other matters of introduction for the Gemara, one we mentioned last time, I just want to repeat it. When we talk about domains and ohalos and tents, right, they're really two different things, but they're very similar, right? In other words, <coughs> it's not enough vis-a-vis the issue of sukkah to say you're in a different domain. It has to be a different domain that also has a roof. That's why we're talking about an ohel versus a domain. The next halacha, the immediate next halacha, which we're going to see, has to do with laws of Tumah. The laws of Tumah having a roof also matters. It's similar to the issue of the mission. the difference between like oil and roshos. Exactly, that's what I was saying last week. A roshos is a domain. So I'm in a roshos even if there's no roof on it. I'm in a roshos harabim, I'm in a roshos hayachid, right? I'm in a carmelist, right? There are different roshuyos in shas which I can sort of create. But, a, but an ohel is different. An ohel is a tent. It's like a building, right? It's, a, it's something with a roof. We don't care about your domain. If, you, if you're in a different domain, but you're underneath the sukkah, that's what matters, right? However, if you're in an ohel, that's the problem. Now, another area in halacha where ohelos matter is as it relates to con, being a conduits for tumah, for impurity. So if your kohen is in the room and you have a mace in, underneath the ohel in the same, in the same room, that's something that will be a conduit for Tumah, to, to draw the Tumah throughout the room. Okay? The Ohel is what does it, not the Rishus. It's not the domain. If you have a mace 
in Rosh Hashanah and you know, in College Avenue, that's meaningless. It doesn't affect anybody. Other than unless you go maybe within Dalaramas or you touch it, you know, whatever. But, but the fact that it is the, in that domain is not the problem. The problem is when you're under the same roof in it. The Torah talks about the Oha. And we're going to see that's going to be a drasha in the Gemara and Chafal from Aleph at the top. Right? Zos Torah Sa'adam Adam Kiyomas Ba'ohel. Kolabala Ohel. Vachlasher Ba'ohel. Yitmashivasyomen. Right? That when a person dies in an Ohel, that's what the, con- the conductor of Tumah is. So, what we're going to be able to see is that, the Gemara, that there might be room to compare different halachos. Because if both halachos are contingent on talking about what constitutes an Ohel, right, then you can obviously compare and contrast the various halachos. So, a halacha of Tumah might be relevant to a halacha of our Mishnah. Right, if an o, something is considered to be an oil vis-a-vis the laws of Tumah, then it should be an oil vis-a-vis the, presumably, it should be an oil vis-a-vis the laws of Sukkah, unless you can create a chiluk. Right, so therefore the Gemara is entitled to go to other places in Shas to figure out if, if something is considered to be an oil or not, which is what our Gemara is about to do. So the, th- the third introduction I just want to give before we go on, just to make things very clear, is that this Gemara is basically a run-on sentence until Chafa al base. So we're going to read this Gemara, and then we're going to read this Gemara, and we're going to read this Gemara, but the point of the, everything ultimately is related back to our Mishnah. So just to be very clear, if everyone can turn to the top of Chafa al base for a second. So the culmination of, of everything that we're about to see is over here. So... So the Gemara says over here in like uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 12 lines down, or 11 lines down. Whatever that means. So that's the culmination of the question that we're starting with now. So everything until there is meant to lead up to that question. So for the next, basically, whatever, daf, whatever, amun and a half, you have to sort of keep in mind... Everything, right? Everything now is going to be a run, one, run, one long run-on sentence until we get here, after which the Gemara is going to answer it. So really, even until the two dots is really, on the Tchafal Chon is really one long, run, one long run-on sentence, right? That's what it is. So you really have to keep it in mind as we go. We're going to take it apart piecemeal, but to see the full picture of the Gemara, you really need to have the panoramic view of Tchafal base to Tchafal Chon base. In order, to, in order to understand what's happening. Okay? So, with those three introductions, again, the three introductions are introducing a new factor called Oel She'enu Asubi Adam as a factor that defines the relative value of a, of a structure, of a Rishos. A, the, the, um, the, uh, the fact that... Sorry? Oh, the, laws of the laws of Tumatara we can compare and contrast on the basis of the definition of Ohel. And the third one is to bear in mind that this is going to go straight now through Chafal base. Okay? Mm-hmm. So let's see what we can do now. Okay? Tanan Hasam. So we learned over there. Okay? We learned in the mission in Oholos. Echad Chor and Oholos obviously means tents. Right? Tents. So this is going to be a halacha that revolves around con- being a conductor for Tumah. Whether it's a crack that was cracked by water, or um, like, uh, anim- like uh, insects Rodent. or animals, rodents, 
or salt ate it away. a pile of bricks. and these, this pile of beams. All of these things constitute an ohel for tumah, which means if you find in any of these things, you find a uh, piece of a dead body or a dead body in them. In, where the way Rashi puts it is, So if you have a kezayis of a mace in one corner, and in the other corner you have kalim, you have vessels, so it's one ohel, and it, and it, and it conducts the tumah such that now the kalim, the vessels, and presumably a person also, would become tame as a result of being in the same ohel hames. Okay? Rabbi Huda Omer, Rabbi Huda says, that an oil that is not made by people, that's not man-made, is not an ohel. So, these things are not man-made. Why? Because salt is, happens by itself, and water happens by itself, and animals happen by itself. The problem is, the way Rashi explains some of these other things, koros, the beams there, stand for building, so they were man-made. So why is he lumping all these things together, which are man-made? So if you look at this Rashi, it's a very important Rashi. It's something I, I mentioned in the introduction. So the other Rashi says is miskaven la sosa ohel. So it doesn't really mean man-made. The language of the Gemara is man-made, but the issue at hand is not really about did people do it, are people the cause of it, or are natural things the cause of it. The issue at hand, was it deliberate? Was it deliberately construed, constructed as an ohel? Or did it happen to be an ohel? So all these examples, so if, so if something, uh, you know, water erodes something. So that happened, right? If an animal does it, it happens, right? If a person throws down in the course of their building a pile of bricks and it so happens to create a dome over something, it creates a roof, right? An ohel, a tent, that also is a, is a ohel she'eno asubideodom, even though it is. Right, it's considered to be an ol she'eno asubidam. That is to say, the weakness which is contained in the type of ol, which is non-man-made, exists even in man-made ohalos, which are not done deliberately, according to Rashi. That's the way Rashi understands it. Okay, so we're going to use this word ol she'eno asubidam, but Rashi says really what it means is kavana. Did you have intention? That's why the, the beams are in there. It's the beams the person did. Right, a guy's getting ready to build his thing. He has all the materials in the backyard, right? And there happens to be, it's, there's a mace there, and there's a coffee cup there, and it kind of, whatever. It's the normal. It happens every day, right? So, so uh, no, but you can imagine in a cemetery, maybe. Right, yeah. If you're building something in a cemetery, you're going to build a new, uh, you're going to build a new chapel in a cemetery. So, you could, conceivably, you could put, you know, just your, your, your lumber there, and it could be, potentially be a condom for Dumbo. Now that's considered to be an olsha eno asubi the other because it's not even though it was, but because it's not deliberate. So there's a machloka. Is there an alchemina of why um, why the Mishnahos quotes like three cases and two cases? Like why not just say one for each and that's it? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't look into it. I mean, Tosos goes on like parts of it are going on the ratio. It gets into say potentially. Your, maybe some of your question has to do with this spot on Tosos over here. I'm not sure. What, what it, what's, like, there's no, so you're just, whatever the mission is just saying, that there's no difference whether it's a midbach or whether it's a soar. Just, that those are all I mean, man-made, I, but no kabana. Right. I mean, I don't know why, the, why you need each example. Right. You know, I don't know. I mean, one's animals, one's natural, one's water, one's salt. I don't know. You know, you really have to take it apart. 
to figure out exactly oh, right. which so one. Why you need the natural ones are the core and the mayim. The core mayim and the lefes. Visualizing the case that means what? That it's a big enough hole that there's a kazayas of made, and then that will connect the room. The room is connected by virtue of the fact that there is a there is a dome. There is a tent. I understand that. So. So what's being said is, is if that there's a tent mm-hmm. like this, so if this is the mace, something over here is tummy. If it's inside. How's that this is an O.L. So the water eroded you turn to the back of your Gemara, to the picture book. There you go. It exposed it. Here. Yeah, it eroded a hole. Yeah. Right now through. it exposed it into the room. Sure, yeah. right here. Oh, okay, right. It's just, it's, You're saying it's the, the, in there is the O.L.? Yeah. In there. Or here. The Shachlase. So let's just, guys, let's just, let's just, uh, let's just uh, grab this last yeah. before. Let's just finish until the rationale, just because I want. We have three more minutes left. Let's just get to the rationale for this machlokas. So this machlokas. So is oil she'enu also be the adam a. Ohel, insofar as being a conduit for Tumah or not. That's the Machlokas. My time with Rabbi Huda. How come Rabbi Huda says it's not an Ohel? In other words, the, the, the Muskel Rishon, at first thought, we would say it should be an Ohel, because it is. Why shouldn't it be an Ohel? Right? That's the Gemara's question. The Gemara's question is, why isn't it an Ohel? The Gemara's question is, why shouldn't it be an Ohel? Says the Gemara, my time with Rabbi Yehuda. Yalif Ohel Ohel mi Mishkan. There's Xavier Shama from the Mishkan. It says, regarding Tuma, that's the Pasuk that talks about death and impurity from death. The Mishkan was a deliberate Ohel. So too, every Ohel has to be an Ohel. So it sounds like the Rabbanon should accept that Gzeirah Shabbat. And then the Gemara asks, Rabbanon, Ohel, Ohel, so what, what do they do with this? There's Xer Shav on the books, on record, which they should agree with. I guess it has other ramifications. How could they disagree with this? They should agree that it should be an Ohel on the basis of the Xer Shav. It should be Dumi the Mishkan. Should it be Smut the Mishkan? Where it says, Rabbanon, Ohel, Ohel, Reba. There are many times it says Ohel in the Parsha of, if you look in your Torah or over here on the Shalim, the first source, it says, Zos HaTorah, Adam, Kemos, Ohel. It says all three times in one puzzle. So Rashi says, the fact that there's many Ohalim in Parsha, and if you look at the top Rashi, he says it in a very strong way. The top Rashi over here on Chafal from Alf says, Olim Parsha's Para. It says many times the word Ohel in Parsha's Para. To include even one that was done by itself. So that's how he's describing it. Again, it's not whether it's man-made or not, it's sort of did it happen on its own or not. Was it deliberate or was it accidental? Did it just happen or not? Not did a man do it? Is the man the cause of it or not? But did it happen and did it just or was it done deliberately? Okay, so we'll stop here. But that's basically this. So you keep this in mind, right? We have a machlokas basically, just to set you up for tomorrow. Just to let you see one more line. This, the, the Gemara is going to lead into the the Gemara is to ask a contradiction in Rabbi Yehuda. Here he's saying in Oel that's Ainoasu the other is not an Oel. And there he's going to imply that it is no, and the is going to try and reconcile that. But leaving off today, and that's going to have implications for our Mishnah. But right now, we don't know yet the implications of this for our Mishnah. All we learned today was a Mishnah in Oelos, which describes a machlokas, Tanoim, about what makes, is an Oel she'en also be the other, and Oel or not. And presumably the Gemara explains the machlokas on the basis of drashas. You have a Shava that we take out from the Mishkan, 
What do we say? There's, spe- there's different ribuyim, there's different drushim now in the parsha that say, nevertheless, it is considered enough.